The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get here? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. Oh, what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big ten schools. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now, there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. A busy show coming, the Hall of Famer, Big Jim Wilson. Actually, two Hall of Famers on today. Based yeah, on right. things that we've been learning of a sudden. Big Jim Wilson at 12.15, he's an educator. He doesn't have a lot of time. Depends on how much time, Will Farrell says memorably with the young people staring at him. As he refers to things that they have no knowledge <laughs> Bed, of. Bath and Bed, Beyond. Bath and Beyond. <laughs> Home Depot. Depends if we have yeah. enough time. And Frank the Tank then came out and it was all on. Anyway, <laughs> good morning, everybody. And well, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. And I was thinking, and we have two Hall of Famers. One at 1130, we'll get to Monica Maxwell. It's Who also is an educator. And an educator. And a follow-up to our conversation with Rachel Bachman on a more local level. Not completely local, because we talked about... Uh, South and West and CHS and CV, and we may even follow further and, and see what's happening specifically perhaps at one or two of those schools with respect to numbers. But I really enjoyed the conversation yeah. with Rachel yesterday, and we'll follow up with Monica Maxwell, who now works for the OSAA. You called Steve Walker. I've talked to Steve Walker. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot of things in the last hour or so and in tracking down Monica Maxwell to sort of speak to the state of Oregon, and she will be in charge at the OSAA, will be overseeing boys and girls, high school basketball, amongst other things. Mm -hmm. So she's new to the territory in a sense, but she knows the way around the territory. As You said she just got inducted into the College Basketball, college basketball Hall of Fame. She was uh, at Louisiana Tech. Two Final Fours Two there. Final Fours. Played in uh, for the Mystics and the WNBA. And a, a one other stop, too. Yeah, ago. early 2000s in the WNBA. And so, and then after that, went on to coach and teach and, mm -hmm. and coach high school and do a bunch of other stuff. So she's seen it at all levels mm -hmm. when it comes to girls' basketball. Grew up in Chicago. Played high school basketball in Chicago. Was working in Actually, Chicago when the call came. No, she grew up in Indiana 
And the the name of the high school was Chicago East. Oh, that's what it. So that's yeah. so I misread and that. And it caught yes. me too. Maxwell was a high school star yeah. in Indiana at East Chicago. East Chicago, and was a finalist for the Naismith Award for the top prep player in the nation. In the I nation. just saw East Chicago. Okay, well she's I know from me Chicago. too. Me too. Thank you for your your attention to detail. I do think she may have been working in the Chicago school district Possibly, when, yeah. if I heard Steve Walker right, before. In a, it's something I look forward to learning from her before the call to come to the Beaver State out west came. Well, it's funny because Steve and I were talking, we're chatting, and, and I had the OSAA website up, and it lists all the different, um, they, they run a lot like a college, kind of like SIDs. Each individual mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. is in charge of a sport, and they oversee it, and they'll be at the tournaments and help coordinate and things like that. And I see this name, Monica Maxwell, and I figured there would be a bunch of names I didn't recognize. In fact, Steve Walker... Uh, Peter Weber and, and Kyle Stanfield are the only names I know. Kyle, of course, a beaver. He's one of the uh, associates there. Steve is the information director. and, and uh, um, um, Peter. Peter executive. is the director, mm-hmm. executive director. So I'm looking at these names, Monica Maxwell. He goes, well, you know, Monica Maxwell would be someone who could speak on this. And he undersold her as I was then doing my research. So we had bullet points. Right. I'm like, Hall of Fame this, one very short votes away from being the player of the year in the nation. Now, this, again, was, this was a, a while ago. Law Tech was, was uh, a power, really power. In mm-hmm. fact, they were a power in the 70s and the 80s and then and then up to the, t- uh, the time that she was playing. And and it's just, just one accolade after another. I'm like, yeah, she could speak. You, you got to lead with this. <laughs> Yeah, she's our new uh, sort of overseer of basketball. Uh, we hired her in July. She played uh, high school basketball in uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, she's a nice person. You might want oh, to talk to her. And, you know, she played on Team USA, and she played in the WNBA, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so yeah. Monica at 11.30, Big Jim Wilson at 12.15. And so we're excited for those conversations. And yet I said to you, John, and I meant it, as I sat down, I said, we're going to lead with Dale McConaughey. Now, when that, I say your, that name to you, yeah. what do you think of? What, what, what I think of your mind? former partner with the Portland Beavers. <laughs> and I liked him a lot. I liked him, too. He had a really good voice. Very good. And a good delivery. Yes. And could have been a Major League Baseball yes. guy. No, yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what he has gone on to do. We stayed in touch for a while. You know how that thing goes. But Where we, was he from? Of, Minnesota. And when you would work together, did he have the same aspirations as you? Yeah, we all did, of course. Yeah, yeah at that yeah. level. Especially if you get to AAA. Triple yeah, A. I mean, you you send tapes out, and you hope you know you, yeah. you hope to to get uh, an opportunity. Years but this ago. is this is 1990, 89, 90, 91. Dale Dale was out here, and we worked together off and on. I remember one years. time going up to sit next to you guys. And uh, kind of a lanky guy, right? Tall and skinny. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I would. Uh, <laughs> my, that would be my the opposite. Turn. I can't remember. But I liked him. Going thought, the other direction. I actually. thought he was. Oh, he's very good. Very he's a good. really nice guy. Yeah. Such an astute listener, though, that, I mean, I knew, oh, man, this guy's a fan mm-hmm. of the twins. He grew up in Minnesota. The only time I've been on a Major League Baseball broadcast was a Minnesota Twins broadcast in 1988. The Portland Beavers were the AAA affiliate of the Twins. Brian Harper 
had had a big year for the Portland Beavers and then was called up to the Minnesota Twins during the 1988 season. And so when Harper was playing for the Twins later that year at the Kingdom, I, you know, went up to see Brian Harper play in the major leagues. I mm-hmm. liked Brian a lot. He was a good guy, really yeah. good guy, and liked him and enjoyed calling his games and his action. When he gets called up to the big leagues, it's a little bit like when one of our own, yeah. the three, 301 hitter, Stephen Kwan, and I want to hear the clip, by the way, if you can search that it. out before yeah. we end the show today, sent to us by Richard Gallagher. So thoughtfully, thank you, Richard. Want to get to the King Kwan Grand Slam. <laughs> no wonder they call him King Kwan. I mean, those are the headlines and things we're seeing. But went up to see Brian Harper, and I don't exactly know how or why, I think because I think I went through the Minnesota Twins publicity department Mm -hmm. back when I knew their press box phone number. Press box, yeah, tell Scully that he played at uh, (laughs) AAA, not AA. Okay, thank you, goodbye, and Vinny changes his tune a couple (laughs) innings. That was in 1991. I got to the master himself through a call to the press box in Minneapolis. So somehow, some way, I knew some of the people with the Minnesota Twins through their Mm -hmm. PR department. They must have gotten me a press credential mm-hmm. or other. And so I'm wandering through the Kingdom press box and I pop my head in just to uh, say hello to the Twins broadcasters. And John Gordon, and whether John is still with us, still doing Twins games, I don't know. Those of you who know the Twins brand and franchise well may be able to tell me and speak to that. But I see John out in the hallway or whatever, and I recognized him through the media guide or something or other. I introduced myself to John. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, hey, I, I call the games for the Portland Beavers. Brian Harper was my favorite guy and player on the team. What a great year he had. And coming up to see him play in the major leagues with you guys. And he said, he said, Mike, come on the air with me. I do the, you know, I do like the fifth and sixth innings. Jump on the air with me in the sixth inning. We'll talk about Brian. That was very kind of him. Wow. And so I did. And we talked about Brian Harper and other Portland Beaver players and future Beaver players that could have an impact on the team in the years ahead. And it was very kind of John Gordon. And that's the only time I've been on a a major league broadcast, the airwaves, was with John, thanks to his invite at the Kingdom in 1988. Yeah, I stayed on with him for a full half inning. Good. It was very nice. During an at-bat, the Brian was up there and talked about this and how he, how he led us. There. He, had, he was the MVP, essentially, of the Pacific Coast League that year, just yeah. the way he hit and mm-hmm. was hitting his way back to the major leagues, and he had a good run with the Twins. That 1991 World Series, he was tremendous in that. The Twins won it in one of the best World Series ever. But so Gordon's talking to me. Talk, I meet Dale McConaughey then. Uh Two years later, in 1990, and he says to me, he says, you know, Mike, nice to meet you. I've heard you before, though, when you were on with John Gordon at the Kingdom <laughs> two years ago. In Clearly, September. he had listened I to mean, every that, single... I you mean, know, that's a fan right there. Yeah, every inning. I mean, he he heard that. <laughs> and now, and then we ended up working together to the point that as we go to break here shortly, and will Monica Maxwell will join us, we'll get a couple of breaks in before... I, I thought of Dale yesterday for the one time in life that I remember. <laughs> it's 
it made me laugh because I'm thinking of TJ these days, and I'm thinking of Sarah Elcano these days. I was days, this morning. And I'm thinking of Mike in Lebanon these days. Yeah. And it's not as though you know, there, there've got to be some maybe almost angry with me that I was prophesying not doom, but just wait a minute, pump the brakes a little bit on where you think you are right now. You have work to do. And I invoked Gene Mock and the 64 Phillies. And I wasn't trying to create it so I could say, see, I'd like the Mariners to run the table and have a home game in the playoffs and win the World Series. How about that? That's what I hope for, Mm -hmm. for Seattle, that franchise, for the great fans of the franchise. But I remember thinking when there was this almost, yeah, it's a cakewalk from here, (laughs) that, yeah, no, it ain't. No, it's not. And Sarah Elcano understood that, and I'm sure Mike and Lebanon did, and but there are things you just, with baseball and in sports, you don't know nothing. No, you don't. But I, I, I said this morning, I said, I, I never never worried. I still don't. Three mm-hmm. and a half. Three and a half plus tiebreaker. With four nine and to play? Yeah. So you're in great shape, I understand. I, yeah. But start, win a few games. Well, though. you need to win. But when you're losing and you're mm-hmm. making us go crazy, right. Baltimore's losing. That's, that, that's, ter- that's and, true. And so it, it keeps at that cushion. <laughs> if it gets inside of that cushion, then I, I would be really nervous. Like, Two with five to play. With five to yeah. play. Two yeah. and a half. Yeah. Whatever. Right. I, that's dangerous. No, I know. Then one time, though, and this is how life is. I rem- I was thinking of Dale in context with TJ and Michael and Sarah. Those are the particulars I was thinking of when I thought of my former broadcast partner, a nice young man and talented man named Dale McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were on the road together in Tacoma, broadcasting the Tacoma game against the Beavers and Fernando, my guy, still my guy, back in the days when I cared and still loved the Dodgers. And Fernando left the game that he was starting in in the sixth inning with an 11 to nothing lead. So I, you know, I said, okay, Dale, I'm out. You know, Fernando's going to get a win. I'm happy. <laughs> I leave. I come back. I start to come down the hall. Dale sees me. And he, the thing that amused me about it and still does is Dale looked at me, and it's a little bit like, because of what he said and the way he said it, it turned out to be better news because he comes out of the hall and he's looking at me and he goes, and he, he goes, Mike, Mike. <laughs> and he had a very serious look, and he was serious. He knew how much I cared about Fernando. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. so much everybody else, but that, that guy. Mike. And I go, What? Mike, I, I got to tell you. And I thought, you know, something really bad news yeah. is coming. Uh, what? Oh, my gosh. What? He said, the Pirates came back with 12 runs and beat the Dodgers 12 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd say, God yeah. love you. Yeah. I said, oh, <laughs> now, as I pondered that later, I Don't wasn't change. happy for Fernando or nor about my own sort of lot or space in life that my guy, you know, the bullpen blew an 11 run lead. Yeah. But the way he said, Mike, <laughs> but he did so because he knew me, but that, that I might have a, a rather uh, unfavorable reaction to such news. And is the only story <laughs> that you've ever told that I can say the other person rivals you for care ability and, and drama <laughs> In one in a sporting event, you know what I mean. Yeah, I got, the only other person who could tell no. that story in the other way is you. The, you saying to someone, "Oh, yeah. I'm TJ. so sorry," but just 
Mike is how we started the conversation. And I've never, like, I've never don't had, change, Dale. Don't I've never change. had my name pronounced quite like that ever in my life. And it's in a hallway of a hotel, the one that big hotel just off of I five in Tacoma, next to the Tacoma Dome, whatever that is. That hallway, I drive by it, and I think, Mike. <laughs> And they did blow the 11 nothing lead and lost a win for my guy. But I was thinking of all of that of late, 11-2 to two and lose. So I'm thinking about Dale and Sarah and Michael and TJ and everybody and hoping that they spin out of this thing and get things back on track. Let's take a quick break. Monica and Big Jim Wilson, Hall of Famers, coming up today on the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. Need a high-resolution scan of a print negative or a slide? Wise Photo Printing can help. They have a self-service kiosk, too. Wise Photo Printing, 6th and Adams next to Ball Studios in downtown Corvallis. Helping you get it done. University hero and 5th Street growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. We're in Corvallis. Can you watch the beavers on TV? Enjoy your favorite sub sandwich while drinking a cold craft beer or sipping on a glass of wine. University Hero and 5th Street Growlers, that's where it's a great combination. Stop by on 5th Street, downtown Corvallis. University Hero and 5th Street Growlers. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. The outside to the left and jogs in. Touchdown, Beavers! It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. Touchdown, Beavers! Hey, Beaver Nation. This is Jake with Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai. Our diverse sales staff is here to provide the very best customer service and great savings. You don't have to buy a car from us. We just want the opportunity. We're confident that you give us one, you'll want to do business with us. We also have multiple master technicians for all of our brands with the expertise to tackle any issue your vehicle may have, from huge diesel trucks to all electric vehicles. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for free gas Fridays and to win Beavers tickets. We're Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai on San Am Highway across the street from the Fred Meyer. When you think of Albans, you think plumbing. And when you think of plumbing, you think water. Hi, this is Katie Albin. Some plumbing projects don't have anything to do with water. At Albans Plumbing, we also work with natural gas and propane lines. So if you need a gas line for home heating, cooking, or for a gas water heater, give us a call. At Albans Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282. Albans Plumbing. Hey, Beaver fans, this is Anthony Gould, and you are listening to The Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Who was that? I didn't hear it, Doc. That was uh, Anthony Gould. Oh, good for him. We have two Anthony Goulds. We've got a a lot of players on Yeah, that's nice. We've got a lot of players on We have Travis Bazan. Travis (laughs) Bazan. What What made you think of that? What made me think of that? Oh, I know why. I know why. Here, Mark can... Barnard is our podcast guest this week on volleyball. Oh, good, good. And I look forward to talking to him a little bit on the not just the the minutia of the current roster and the season and the huge crowd that turned out. Yeah, I think seventeen hundred and eighty nine students for that opener in the rivalry yeah, match yeah, with Oregon. That's, that's really cool. I mean, that's incredible. 
Yeah. And I, I, and I wanted to, you know, he talked about the incredible atmosphere within Gill and all of that. So we look forward to talking to him about that. I also look forward to talking to him about our participation and numbers at the levels mm-hmm, that he is mm-hmm. recruiting in. Are there and, more? Yeah. Is he seeing upward trends yeah, in his sport? because there's fewer basketball. Yeah. Um, how do you pronounce the word bulk? I say, well, that'll be a balk on uh, Daniel. Okay? B, I don't, it's not balk. Right. Balk. Balk. That's a balk. Okay. Did yeah. you hear the story about this That there guy? were three balks in three one, and one at bat? At bat. And the guy, 300 innings pitch, good career, mm-hmm. never balked before. Okay, yeah, I read that. It caught my attention briefly, and I thought, ooh, Marlon's, that's a story uh, I'd like to Richard learn Blyer. more about. Okay, yeah. then what did he do, and well, were they all good calls? He... Uh, he mattingly sprang out of the dugout and said, "I'm. I know I'm. I'm I know I'm out, but I'm going to argue this on behalf of his <clears> pitcher." Yeah, yeah, but but Blyer said that uh, he didn't know what to do, and this is something that would freak a guy out. If you didn't have the yips, it'll give them to you. He said it never happened to him before. He gets three in a row. He questioned if he didn't. He didn't agree with the calls, but he also said, "I don't know. I'd have to look at the film." And someone tell me, he goes, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I just don't know. The pitcher himself said yes, that? Yes, and, and were they, what were they being called on? Moves to first or not pausing? Did, they didn't the get that specific position? in the story I have. They didn't okay. get that specific. But he's sitting there with, you know, I can just envision, you know, head in hand. Well, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Because yeah. if he's never done it before, he gets three in one at bat. Right. He then argued and got ja- uh, kicked out too. Mm-hmm. But... He, he then you're going to think, well, what what right. what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. It, because someone's telling you you're physically doing something you're not supposed to do when you've never done it before, and bam, there were three in a row. Right. You're thinking in your head, I'm going to do it again, and yes. I don't want to. Yes. So yeah, Ran, uh, Richard Blyer, Miami Marlins left-hander, three box in a row. Well, uh, again, if They're anybody in the, knows, in the bat. if you want to text us, because if it's within one at-bat, I can only assume that... Well, he re- retired the first two batters. And then somebody got on base. Yeah, let's see. He opened the eighth inning in relief of the Marlins up 6-3, quickly retired his first two batters before allowing Jeff McNeil to reach on an infield single. All right. Pete Alonzo at the plate. Blyer was called for a balk three times, allowing McNeil to come around and score. <laughs> Here's his quote. Words cannot describe what happened in that inning on my end, Blyer said, a seven-year veteran who hadn't been called for a balk in his first 303 big league appearances. It's unbelievable. Blyer grew increasingly agitated with each call. Following the run-scoring balk, Marlins manager Don Mattingly sprang out of the dugout and was ejected following a heated argument. He said, I know I'm gone. The minute I walk out of the dugout, Mattingly said, it's just ridiculous. I guess you see something new every day in this game, and that was new for sure. We need to break on that note, but yeah. that's something to ponder. And if any of you know more about the detail, Mark Armour, the author of Intentional Balk, perhaps he could call clarify. Man. I didn't see the move, so I don't know on what grounds he were they moves to first where he balked on the move to first yeah. and not come to a set position. Is it position? something that Did as he, a fan you could see right yeah, away? I mean, that that is unbelievable, though, that if you've never balked in your whole career and have three in one sequence and a run scores, something's amiss. And you're not intending and to. And you've done nothing differently, I would assume. <laughs> right, right. So is it just one up and maybe one up one time? When that guy makes this move, I'm going to get him. <laughs> hey, we'll break. We'll get back to that <laughs> later. 
<laughs> I had an umpire in Little League who did that to me when I'm throwing these great curveballs that yeah. no hitter in Southern California Little League that I was playing in could hit. And every every umpire would call the curveball a strike, and I, I struck out most guys mm-hmm. I faced when I threw the big hook. And I remember one day, what did my wind-up throw, curveball? Bob Weaver was the umpire. Perfect hook right over the middle of the uh-huh. plate, dropping perfectly over the plate. Bob Weaver, ball one. Really? And I stepped back almost like, huh? Through the same pitch, ball two. And I'm looking around at my coach because it's never been called a ball before. And yeah. Bob Weaver, I cried. My coach gets ejected a little league game. I'm crying on the <laughs> mound. And Bob Weaver said, son, I'm trying to discourage you from throwing so many curveballs. And when the pitch comes across the plate, it's a little bit high as it comes across the plate. Yes, it lands in the catcher's mitt perfectly, but it's high as it crosses the plate. It's a ball. Bob Weaver. Changed my life in terms of the – I threw fewer curveballs after that. And look wow. at me now. I'm sitting here talking on the radio. and not. <laughs> anyway, we break. Not we wrapping break, up a yeah, Hall of Fame career. We break and come back with Monica Maxwell on 1240 Joe Radio. Built upon a solid foundation of cast iron and steel, it's the Kubota L-Series tractor. It's part of a Kubota tractor lineup that's rated number one in durability and owner experience. The durable Kubota L1 features powerful diesel engines and is easy to operate. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to LynnBentonTractor.com. We're still doing business the American way. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany, where quality, service, and peace of mind meet you as you walk through the door at 4120 Sandham Highway in Albany. Power Honda is family-owned and offers new vehicles and over a 1,000 used vehicles to choose from. Power Honda has a Google review of 4.9 stars, offers financing for everyone, and knows how to treat their customers' needs. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany. Hey, everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell, like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Bob Simons Insurance, a key sponsor of the 16th Annual Salem Roadster Show, would like to thank all those who participated in this year's show. This year's Salem Roadster Show raised money for law enforcement and firefighters' families in need and was able to make a considerable donation. Once again, Bob Simons Insurance, a key sponsor of the 16th Annual Salem Roadster Show, would like to say thank you to all those who participated and those who attended. There we we continue the Joe Beaver show, Mike Parker with John Warren. The thing I, I, I love about life, and there's a lot of things I do love about it. That's good. Uh, a few things occasionally less <laughs> lovable, <laughs> but generally speaking, love life. It's a good thing. Losing hurts more than yeah. winning. Feels good. <laughs> but yesterday, you know, for, to, to come across our, our friend Rachel Bachman's story in the Wall Street Journal and her long research into and what she wrote and published last week in the Wall Street Journal about the declining numbers of participation in girls' high school basketball, that in itself on sort of a general national level was a very 
intriguing, enjoyable conversation with Rachel yesterday, but it also led you and me immediately to, well, what is our, mm-hmm. what's our story in the Beaver State? What is our story locally? And we may even go deeper at some point and get a local high school coach or AD on. Yeah. But in following up uh, that conversation with Rachel, we have been directed to and are delighted to welcome for the first time, and I hope not the last, <laughs> to our Joe Beaver show, Monica Maxwell, who came to work for the OSAA this past July. So I don't know how how deeply she's fully immersed yet in her work with the OSAA, but what a great hire and get for our yeah. for our state's uh, body, governing body, the OSAA for high school sports. Monica Maxwell uh, played on Team USA, Louisiana Tech star, inducted into the Indiana Women's Basketball Hall of Fame this past April. Tremendous uh, basketball player, has been a coach and an administrator, and is now working at the OSAA. It's an honor to welcome Monica Maxwell to the Joe Beaver Show. Monica, good morning. Thank you for your time, and welcome to the state of Oregon. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. Good to be here. Thank you. How did you, first, first things first, what led you out here? How did the, you know, you saw an opportunity here. Take us a little bit maybe through your post-playing days, what you've been doing, and how you have ended up finding your way to the OSAA. Yeah, I like to say that I grew up when I was about 27 years old. That's when I finally <laughs> put the basketball down and had to clock into a real job. Um, but my, my first job outside of playing basketball um, was at GM as a production supervisor and uh, quickly realized that I did not want to work in manufacturing. So uh, got into college coaching and then coached out at Tulane for a year. just happened to be the year of Hurricane Katrina, so that ran me out of town. Mm. Um, and came out to Cal State Northridge and coached for a year. And then when I was at Cal State Northridge is when I got a phone call from my alma mater to ask me if I would come back to be the athletic director. So that's how I got into athletic administration. And once I was in, I kind of fell in love with it. And I always wanted to be on the business side of things. Um, And this job provides me that opportunity. So your alma mater being Chicago East in in Indianapolis, is that correct? Well, it's... East Chicago, okay. but it is in Indiana. East Chicago, Indiana, but it's in the northwest corner okay. of Indiana, right off the south end of Lake Michigan. And then just, you must have seen this opportunity somewhere, somehow, posted or what, I mean, and it, it intrigued you for some reason. So, again, before we kind of dive into what you're finding in your early days working out here, was there a draw sort of to experience something else and come out here to a place maybe you, you knew about but weren't too familiar with? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I didn't initially see the job posted. A friend of mine in Florida uh, sent me the position because I had been talking about some professional goals that I had, um, and this was this was one of them. And um, I asked around um, some of my, my friends that I knew um, what they knew about Oregon and, and the Oregon State Association, and I heard nothing but good things. So um, that was the initial draw, I'll be honest. I hadn't been to Oregon since... Uh, they had the Portland Fire way back in mm-hmm. early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, but you know, once I once I talked to uh, to Peter and got a chance to meet the meet the staff and talk to the staff, um, you know, I thought it was a good fit. Well, it's great, and I know it's it's early because uh, the school year just started. You were hired in the middle of the summertime, and and here we go. And it's post COVID. I know 
the last couple of years with Peter and, and Steve Walker and, and all of the, the group there at the OSAA, they had to do a lot of uh, just a lot of uh, different things to make it happen, to be able to have the kids play sports and come up with spring football and things that we don't do around here. And I'm, I'm sure that we're kind of out of the woods on that. And you stepped in right after the, the difficult times of that. But uh, it's good to have you here. Now, the connection that, you know, we always refer to on this show, the OSAA, on high school issues. And, um, you know, it, it was, it's perfect that you're there because the topic is girls basketball and participation levels. Did you get a chance to read the article, maybe even hear the the interview? I know that it, it might be a curveball to some because Rachel did this article in the Wall Street Journal out east and other, you know, associations around the, the, the country may not even be aware of this. They are if they're in a state that, that numbers are heavily down. But here, I guess the number is only 13%. What, uh, what was your first impressions when you heard about this topic? Yeah, I guess I was um, not completely surprised by it. I know that the popularity of volleyball um, has, has really increased over the last couple of years. Um, I think what surprised me the most was, was soccer and track and field had um, increased um, at the rate that they had, and, and basketball had decreased by 7%. I thought that was kind of alarming, but um, the popularity, I know volleyball is increasing, but um, so that wasn't quite a surprise, but this, this basketball drop and soccer rise, um, I thought was kind of surprising. Monica Maxwell from the OSAA, our guest. That was an article that I think you, you did take time to, to read and maybe even listen to our conversation with Rachel. It's, it's perhaps too, well, I'm not expecting some sort of major reaction. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? What have you found in the early days as you go to work here, Monica? Is there anything that would substantiate in any way what Rachel was getting out on a national level just in terms of what, what you're seeing early about participation in sports out here? Yeah, I think she had a, a really good point when she talked about um, the club sector. And and I, I came here from a high school of 2,500 kids, and we had one level of, of basketball, of girls' basketball. Um, and, you know, we started out with two, um, but a lot of our kids um, went to club volleyball, which is very expensive. And, and the point to, to the point in the article where she says, um, parents don't want to pay for club volleyball to have them miss practice to go to a basketball game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would just like to see some way where we can we can allow them to do both. Um, but you know, I, I think that you know it's it's one of those things where we got to try to figure out how to uh, keep girl and girls encouraged to play. Um, to continue to play basketball because it is, I think it's dropping off um, all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the reasons that I thought was uh, su- surprising was that it's too hard. They don't want to run so much. Where did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an option for me. I don't know. I'm, I know. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> I know we we yeah. grew up under hard coaches that that you know you didn't like them but you knew that they were making you better, getting you in shape, getting too. you in shape and making you better, doing making you do things you didn't want to do, all for the right reasons. Now, if they just say, "Well, I don't want to do that anymore," well, okay, then there's only a few sports or activities you can do where you don't have to run. Yeah, 
yeah, I'm not sure what, what you can table tennis maybe, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think, I think the other thing is that we have some, um, coaching styles, uh, that really turn girls away. Yeah. Um, I was coached differently than, um, than I watched my coaches coach our teams here recently. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if we brought my high school coach into this, um, <laughs> date and time that he would last right. or my college coach or right. my professor, any coach that coached me. Um, so I think that that too has something to do with, do with it. I think, um, you know, the sensitivity around this generation, um, has a lot to do with, uh, how coaches have to change their style and adapt their styles, um, to relate to girls and, and encourage them instead of discourage them from playing. Monica Maxwell, our guest from the OSAA, a college basketball Hall of Famer, Louisiana Tech, Team USA, uh, unbelievable resume, and brand new to the state. So we welcome you to uh, the state of Oregon. Another one of the topics I wouldn't normally broach nor even think about until one factor, and that was the, it's not that they don't perceive the uniforms as being cute enough for whatever the quote was. And I thought, that's, that, come on, that's got to be ridiculous. Until, in our conversation on the, on the radio yesterday with Rachel, she mentioned social media, and then it made sense, because the power, for good or for bad, of social media, especially for teenagers, and this competition thing, and, and you know, wanting to be, look cuter than the next girl, whatever, I can see where that would make that a factor. If you didn't mention the social media part of it, I would say, well, that's ridiculous. Did you have an opinion on that? And, and, you know, having grown up as a woman and, and playing in at all levels, would that have ever come into play? You know, I, that, that narrative is not new, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think, you know, way back from going back to the 96 Olympic team um, and the way that they were marketed, um, you know, I don't think that the narrative of um, showing basketball players uh, in a somewhat feminine light is new. That's not new. I think social media has obviously magnified that. Um, and you see that with uh, the WNBA um, every game. They're videotaping the girls coming into the arena and, and they're, what they have on, mm-hmm. how they're dressed, things like that. Um, yeah, that narrative is not new. I don't know if that is a reason why girls are turning away from basketball, but it may have certainly have something to do with it. But um, and yet, it's just something that's that's more magnified now. And yet, Monica, Rachel seemed to think that there was a hope, a hope along those lines that showing the glamour outfits and things as as the great players arrive, that that might have an appeal. Um, oh, I could do that. I can be that. So, I mean, it's really kind of an odd thing to try to figure out or work through. I would think in the world you're in, the world that that fans are in to try, what, what does all of this mean? Do you know what I mean? Well, I can tell you that with the, with the new name, image, and likeness um, rules that are coming about, it could mean a lot. I mean, they have influencers that are on social media making a lot of money um, outside of sport, and, um, and they want to know uh, how many followers do you have, how mm-hmm. many clicks can you get. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things matter, how you dress um, prior to, after the game, what you look like during the game, you see girls. Now I see girls now playing basketball with 
fingernails and eyelashes and all these other mm. things. They look like it's a fashion show. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I think that they are in, the, in themselves, they are um, a brand, you know. Uh, when you think about it, they are their own brand, and they need to sell that in some way or another um, if they're looking for, you know, NIL deals. Yeah. Um, I think that that their their train of thought is far ahead of what mine was mm-hmm. um, hmm. as a high school player. Monica Maxwell from the OSAA joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. In that, Rachel also said in her article that the the declining numbers, 19% nationally, she reports 13% in this millennium of a decline in the state of Oregon, runs counter to the high popularity of women's college basketball and the WNBA and some great ratings recently on the finals and so on. So how do, how do we reconcile or square that, Monica? If, if you accept that data from Rachel, what do we do with that uh, apparent uh, disparity in what, it, what we think it ought to be at the high school level, given the popularity of collegiate hoop and, and the WNBA? Um, I, I'm not... I think I think the popularity of, of college is, um, you know, could be a, it could be used to enhance uh, the participation numbers at the high school level. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's great what the NCAA just did. They signed the I don't know how how many years they signed a big deal that that goes across networks now. So I mean, it's one of those things where if if high school kids can see themselves playing on television in a year, two, or three. Um, and maybe they maybe they stick with the game. You know, if they can see um, college or professional athletes making, you know, they're not going to make what the men make, but if they make something that is respectable, maybe they stick with the game. You know, so, you know, I just, I think that, you know, all of those things help the trickle-down effect. All of those things kind of help um, high school athletics high school sports um, in a good way. And Monica, how do you see your role in all of this and you and your colleagues at the OSAA and other institutions around the country analogous to the OSAA? Is there anything that this sort of data and these studies guide or help you with in terms of what, how you want to go about approaching this kind of issue and topic? I mean, what, what do you do with this? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you know an organization such as the OSAA has a platform um, and quite honestly a responsibility to promote girls' sports, right? I mean, not just girls' basketball. Uh, we're talking you know volleyball or uh, softball, whatever the case may be, um, because it hasn't always been done um, that way. I mean, typically we would turn on the television, you see men play or you see boys play. You open a newspaper, you see boys. So you know, I think the responsibility from from our organization is to promote girl sports and, and promote why um, it's important for girls to play sports. I think, you know, this uh, December, I'm actually presenting at our national conference on this very topic, um, enhancing and the retention in girl sports. I mean, we just don't, we don't need to get them. We need to keep them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the responsibility comes from uh, the promotion in it. Um, and then how do we keep them? Because there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of data that that says if girls participate in sports, um, you know, later in life those things come back in a good way. Yeah. Well, that, we were going to 
wrap it up, but now, now you just opened up a, at least a one question from me. So the follow-up to that is, are you presenting a solution or are you presenting just that this is an issue and we need to think about it? Well, I, I, hopefully a little bit of both. Um, I, I think, I think and I'm not presenting with someone from Georgia, but I think from my perspective, I would like to provide some, some possible options for solutions. Um, I don't have a magic, you know, I don't have the magic answer, but I think, I mean, I think that we could do some things um, across the board that will help in the retention of girls' sport, or girls playing sports. Um, so I think that is my angle mm-hmm. that I'm going to hit it at, um, you know, just to try to try to give options. It may work some one place, it may not work another place, um, but I think, you know, putting some options out on the table uh, to help a lot of coaches in ADs. Mm. Monica, it's a real pleasure to get to to meet you in this context, and we hope to have other conversations, maybe even around December. How you know how you finally what the shape of your presentation was, how it was received. Maybe we can touch base again down the road. In the meantime, how you've only been out here a couple of months, two and a half, three months, or whatever. How do you what do you make of the state of Oregon as a, as a new resident here? Yeah, I think I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I think it's absolutely beautiful. I mean. The drive-in every day is beautiful. I think got some rain today. I've been hearing a lot about rain. It's, I think maybe the first day it's rained since I've been here. So, um, <laughs> but no, I'm excited to be here. I am. It's great to have you here. Get ready. You know, I took my puppies, my dog, my puppy out this morning for their little constitutional, and the rain came, and I looked at the sky and said. No. So now it begins. No, no. I told <laughs> so, I told Monica when I called oh her, God. don't listen to them. Hey, get, there'll be a little bit more of it. Before uh, there we, will yeah, be. But, hey, anyway, Monica, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for taking time for us. We appreciate it and hope to talk to you again. No, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Monica. Monica Maxwell of the OSAA. That was my that she was, was a, my very line. She was I like a good her. sport. We look yeah. forward to she talking good, to her good sport. later. To our antics. I walked outside. You know, no. We have a new John. I don't know about you. Puppy, the puppy world. We have a puppy in our home, and I can't. It's hard for me to get work done in the morning because he's chewing on everything. I know. Everything is you know. There's an electric. Don't chew that. I'm trying to get work done, and you That's know we got a show called Chew on This, which we, somehow is appropriate <laughs> to my life because can it, you imagine he if that be the puppy star of that show. was barking while you were doing something from well, your home it office? It could very well happen. In fact, there are a couple of shows I do do from home, and Missy has to you know, yeah. take got to take both. We away. we gotta just gotta talked about away. maybe getting a dog last night for yeah. about three seconds. And then what I'm telling you now dissuades you. Well, I've had dogs throughout my life and with our kids. But here's the thing. When I leave the house and the dog is looking at me out the window, it shatters me. Yeah. I just You're doing such a mean thing. It shatters me yeah. that they're going to be left alone. I know. And someone could tell me, hey, they have a memory of a goldfish. They don't know. <laughs> it's still, especially Angel, my dog. Oh, uh, she would look at me and I just, I couldn't do it. I'm so, as soon as she dies, I'm not getting another one. And then the other thing is spontaneity. We go, boom, hey, let's go to the mountains. We're gone. Let's go to the beach. We're gone. Can't do that with a dog. Or a, do- or a, po- a pony and a donkey either. Now, <laughs> hey, now before we break. Okay, uh, farmer. Before we break. <laughs> anything on that? I know that's sort of an esoteric general conversation. No, it's not. I think it's where we live and where your kids live and our kids and so on. So anything that you're observing and noticing, you touched briefly on it, John, with... 
you top coaches and back in the day and all. Yeah, I mean, are yeah. we, you know, uh, here's I what I think Monica about that. Was a little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, there yeah, wasn't a choice. Right. We ran, get on the line, run on the blue, go, 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 and you run forever. Yeah. And it was punitive running a lot of times. Now you can't quote, can't do that. No, and, and a lot of the coaches just screamed in your face for yeah, no reason. No, a lot of the coaches were mean. They were personal. They hated them. You stuck it out. Yeah, yeah. we learned to stick it out. We learned all these things. Right. But it seems to me that that wave, that issue, has come and gone. Right. I don't know if it's gone, I, but I it's agree. it's come through to be to where it's being dealt with. Yes, they're hiring only nice people. They're getting rid of the mean ones, quote unquote mean ones. Mm-hmm. They're really getting rid of the bad ones, which they should. And they should. They yeah. absolutely should. Um, and a nicer world is upon us. But I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason are all those other issues. And here's what I yeah. think. My prediction is this. Right now, they don't really notice it. 13%. Okay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not good. Um, we brought it to their attention because Rachel brought it to everybody's mm-hmm. attention. 19% nationwide. If it becomes, you know, there will come a, a point like we've seen with the referees where the NFHS, whatever it is, will put out a thing that then all the OSAAs of the states mm-hmm. will put out a thing, go, we need refs, we need refs. Yeah. Leave the refs alone. They're quitting right, more right. than they're high. When the numbers in a certain sport get that way, we'll start to see messages from the top, which is the National Federation of and Something High Monica Schools. And as Monica was, uh, you know, she she was right to point out, we're not just talking basketball. We need to yeah. promote girls' sports, promote, get them participated, and retain their participation. Which surprises me a bit because I thought in this day and age. It's at an all-time high of quote-unquote equality in playing. I mean, I've been calling yeah. girls basketball games, you know, for high school since uh, the 90s. Right. And it was great back then. And I just assumed since being out of it for a while that it has maintained its greatness. Well, that and it may have. It may have. I just wonder if you as parents on the front lines or aunts and uncles or grandparents or whatever, are you at all, even if you weren't perhaps articulating it consciously, You've just kind of noticed it's a little different or this or that or the other. And now with Rachel's story, our conversation with Monica, is there anything you'd care to contribute to the conversation from your perspective? Feel free at 497-5356. We don't need to. Now let's go up three minutes. Well, then I can tell you that when I took little Bo and Juno out and it was raining, you're right. We're going to kind of spin out of this and get back to some decent weather, correct? Yeah, for the weekend. Okay, that's awesome. I know we're not. We over, you know, we, we do talk about the rain in negative terms far too often. But I did look at the sky this morning and had that momentary feeling oh, of yeah. Zira, Ian Holm, who played uh, Bilbo Baggins and all the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings movies, the great Ian Holm, Sir Ian Holm, it's in coming. one of his early roles in 1977 at the end of Franco Zeffirelli's film, Jesus of Nazareth, a good film, by the way, written by Anthony Burgess and a very good film. But Ian Holm sees the empty tomb, and he was kind of against the whole mission of, of Jesus anyway, and he mm. sees the empty tomb. And he says to himself, and so it begins. <laughs> it all begins. It's an interesting way to end that film. And that, that is story. an interesting and way. He was right. But and so it began. It's but coming. Sean. Let's go to Sean on the Downward Dog phone line. It all begins. Sean, good morning. <laughs> hey, guys. So interesting take about the high school kids and the girls' basketball participation. Um, so, like, I still have three. And one of the things that you will see, and I think it's this way across a lot of areas, 
is like even into the middle school level, there is no high, there is no like middle school basketball team in Albany. There is not. They can go play to the Parks and Rec or you know like the Boys and Girls Club or to the Y, but there is like not a middle school team. Well, I think for kids that makes it tough because either you're going to be AAU or you're going to be you know to the Y or something. But there's no organized school team. Well, that's going to hurt high school participation to me big time because. It's not like you get out of school and you can go to practice. And I, I don't know exactly why they haven't done that at the middle school level here in town, but that's what I see. Well, about 15 years ago, I coached my daughter's team, and the whole league was highly participated. It was very successful. But if I recall, it was through the Boys and Girls Club. Correct. And so you have a there's going to be a disconnect there from when obviously when we were all younger where you had middle school teams and you'd have multiple teams yeah and it was much easier to participate versus now you're outside of it and then you take like like you know you will have a group of kids that they say well these are the best players so we're going to have them all go play AAU like my older son his team did at Corvallis and so. But it kind of makes it a select group of kids, and by the time they get to high school, the other kids, there's kind of been a pecking order established, yeah, right or wrong. And then here you are, and you got the kids looking on the outside, going, "Well, I'm not going to even bother." Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think that's a real negative for participation and getting kids involved. Wrong, by the way. Well, to insert that. Hey, you know? hey, hey, Sean, and and I'm sorry to ask this, being so old, I sure. have to, but. This is a change, isn't it, from what used to be in terms of there being junior high teams when you, when you, I mean, there were junior high teams when I was in what we call junior high, and yeah. then you had, coming into the high school, you had a freshman team, a sophomore team, a JV team, and a varsity team. Right, right. A- absolutely. That was the same for me. I mean, I'm a class of 89 from Philomath, and very different landscape now. You know, you would take kids, and they worked through the program all the way up, mm-hmm. right? Right. You established that culture, and everybody knew the system. And now it's this outside people are coaching, and then, you know, and it just, I don't know, I don't like the way it comes off, and I think it's very, it's not good for the kids as far as getting everybody involved. That's yeah, the that's, biggest thing. that's you a know, great point, yeah. And you get, when you get late bloomers, too, who could be really good, but because yep. they feel like they're whatever in middle school, well, now they're not even going to try when they get to varsity, right? Boy, that's a great point, so, Sean. Thanks anyway. for making it. We Thanks, appreciate Sean. the call. I think of Greg Hale and Eric Olson. I, the, Eric Olson and Greg Hale, two young men from Cottage Grove, late bloomers like you talked about, but because they came up through the system and had a chance to keep playing, mm-hmm. they ended up being very good varsity basketball players by their senior years. But I think what Sean is saying is without the middle school stuff and the JV freshman stuff to work through and get better, mature physically, they may not have stayed with the game. Big Jim Wilson and more next hour. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. This thing on. This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Not a huge surprise, but with mortgage rates continuing to rise, demand for mortgages continues to cool. The Mortgage Bankers Association says application for mortgages overall fell last week by 3.7% from the previous week, while refinancing applications were down a sharp 11% from the prior week and down a whopping 84% from the same week a year ago. The average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is now well above 6%. 
When Netflix launches a lower-cost, ad-supported subscription plan later this fall, it should give the streaming giant stock a very nice boost. That's the view, anyway, of analysts at Atlantic Equities. That firm upgraded its rating on the stock based on that assessment. Netflix shares are soaring 8.25% today. Stocks are broadly and sharply higher overall, a solid rebound rally in the bid to halt a six-session slide. The S&P 500 is ahead by 62 points. The Dow Industrial is up 480, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite has jumped 185. That's your money now. Attention all business owners who rent or lease space, including storage space. Stop wasting your money paying someone else for your space. You can now save a ton of money and own your own building with the incredible sale prices from General Steel. That's right. Start saving money every month on renting space from others. Just call 866-95-STEEL to see how General Steel can help you save money. Our 50-year structural warranty buildings are custom designed for your needs and save you a ton of money. Call 866-95-STEEL. Take it from a successful entrepreneur. If you need to expand or start a new business, you need General Steel. Great team and the competitive pricing is the reason I went with General Steel. Call 866-95-STEEL now and you can get any of our popular quick construction structures, including a 40 by 60 foot building or a 50 by 100 clear span building fast and easy. Call 866-95-STEEL. That's 866-957-8335. 866 When a restaurant has been around for as long as Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill, it says a lot. It says the food is good, and that's a fun place to go. At Tommy's, they serve breakfast anytime, plus lunch and dinner seven days a week. There's a lounge with a full bar, pool tables, and all your favorite Oregon lottery games. Ask about Tommy's famous Beaver Buster breakfast. If you can eat it all in an hour, it's free. And for special events, Tommy's has a large banquet room downstairs. For good food and fun times, stop by Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 Edward Jones, member SIPC. Hi, I'm Dennis Overs, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you with greenside pitches. Nothing is more aggravating than chunking or hitting a pitch shot fat, especially if it falls into a bunker or other hazard. The next time your ball is sitting in greenside rough, take a few steps to avoid mishitting the shot. Begin by making some practice swings to find out where the club contacts the grass then play the ball one inch back from there. This ball position, along with setting your weight about 60% to the left side at address, ensures that the club will contact the ball before the ground. Allow gravity to regulate the speed of your downswing to maintain good rhythm. The club head should feel like it's falling on its own towards the ball, brushing the grass and impact. So remember, to avoid hitting your greenside chips fat, Have the proper ball position and good rhythm, and the only thing getting fat is going to be your wallet. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. How about we grab a picnic and hang out by the lake? How about we go for a walk? How about we play tennis? Looking for people who just want to do something fun? Find them on Our Time, the number one site made for singles over 50. It's easy to use and easy to find people who love doing the same things you do. From gardening to wine tasting to just going for a bike ride. 
Because even doing the simple things are better together. Start for free today on ourtime.com. If you have a small business, Staples has your sign. Banners for my bakery? Staples has your sign. Oh, posters for my new pet store. Floor decals for a pharmacy. Every day, Staples Associates help every kind of small business create bold signs to make big impressions. And now get $10 off custom signs, banners, and posters when you spend $50 or more. This is your sign. So print it big at Staples. Ends 10-1. Visit staplesconnect.com slash this is your sign for details. Following is a production of the Two Docs Broadcasting Network. There's no place like home. I suppose your name is Smith. Seven, eight, nine. Indeed, Niner Jonathan Smith has come home. As Jonathan returns, so does the Joe Beaver Show with the familiar names. His name is Mike. Mike Parker. You do know him, don't you? And... But John isn't Torment. John isn't Davos or the Red Woman or Stannis for that matter. John is John. And their familiar means of wailing guests. Get that fella's number! Get his number! But it's one number Nine. that we rally around as we welcome you to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. It's good to be back home again. Oh, we haven't heard that in a while. It has been a while in honoring number nine and nine as we move into the second hour. I'll be visiting with Jonathan a little bit later today in on. a show originating from my home called Chew on This, with a puppy chewing on everything. No, it's actually going to be in the basement of Gill Coliseum. Who well, do you have to be to be able to watch this thing? Facebook Live. It's not Facebook Live, but it's on the Facebook. Sc- the, it's school's on the school's Facebook media. Page? Yeah, the school's Facebook page. And once it's done, it's immediately loaded? Yes. It's edited. Oh, okay. It was live for a while. Yeah. We had an interactive element to it that proved to be a bit unwieldy at times, I guess. So, yeah. I, But now it's a, it's a show that we do that we tape, and then it gets posted fairly quickly after the show. So later today, this evening, sitting down, with, I'll sit down with Jonathan and talk about the pe- game past. Mm-hmm. By the way, any uh, I'll, I'll do my best if you want to text us on the – University Honda text line, if there's a particular line of inquiry with respect to the past game, with respect to Utah, and we ought to make it a, a feature and even a sponsored feature on Chew on this. Ask the coach, brought to you by. Everything's got to be monetized, and I, yeah. but, it, but I would do it without, without any money coming anybody's way if there's something, <laughs> a line of inquiry that you would care um, for us to, uh, to pursue. 497 Four nine seven five three five six and open phones right now on any of the things that you you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about. Have you ever had a John? 
mic moment when somebody <laughs> was fearful to break news to you about your team losing. Yeah, uh, four yeah. nines. Uh, a lot of Mariner fans are having it lately with these big leads that go, "What? What? We lost? No, you no, don't tell me that." Uh, <laughs> what happened? How are you handling all fan? of that, Michael? How are you handling it, TJ? How are you handling it, Sarah? We also have audio from yesterday. We're going to hear from Jam Griffin. In fact, we might, Johnny, if you're able to find that. We might even play it before we talk to Big Jim Wilson, who's coming up in a few minutes. In the meantime, 497-5356. He said, you do have a question for John. Well, I've got a lot of text here, but yeah, okay. I have a question. And I would have asked it the other day. I don't know why I didn't. Okay. Um, were there enough egregious, incorrect markings to put together a compilation and send it to yeah. the offices? And say, this has to stop. Yeah, I've already talked to Jonathan a little bit about officiating in general in that game. And Mm -hmm. I can tell that, and I think, truthfully, rightly, taking a high road there, even though I've continued to see on Twitter breakdowns and almost like a a John Madden telestrator Mm -hmm. approach. Look at this. Look Mm -hmm. where the hand is here. Now look where the hand is here. On the Makai Blackman interception on the corner route to Tyjon Lindsay down at the five-yard line, that seems to be the one that's rankled most people. And he did have his hand in the cookie jar a little bit. He does. He did. But a little bit may be the operative phrase. And if Rajon Wright and Alex Austin get a little handsy at times, you almost want them to, and you want them to get away with it. And that was the sense of Jonathan saying, hey, I thought the officials did it. That was Mm -hmm. a... A well-officiated game is what he said on Monday, even with all of the protestations that we've seen on Twitter and elsewhere and had on this show. I may ask him about the spotting off the air before we go on the air, and if he thinks it is something that is concerning him on a regular basis, we might bring it up on the show. I actually don't get exercised over action calls. I get exercised over non-action calls that look like there's something not right. So an action call is whether or not it's a a, a P.I. or not. Okay, they, they can make a mistake. Fine. That's most of the calls anyway. Non-action calls is placing the ball back a yard, right. and you want an explanation. Look, everyone saw his knee go down and everything at the 21, and you're coming up here and putting it at the 19 and a half. Why? Yeah. And you want them to be... Yeah. The, you want to know the answer to that for all the times they do that in one game. And say, are you is what's going on here? Now you you can't, we won't. That'll never be a, an opportunity, except for for Merton Hanks to sit down with them in Walnut Creek or wherever they are now, and say, explain this. But it's something we'll never get to right. know. Let's hit a couple of texts before we break and come back with Big Jim Wilson. Anything, Johnny? Um, that I you... can just tell you that okay. all I can see is that that they're that they're a text and okay. a few words on a lead line. Otherwise, I I have to read through them all. So I'm just going to pick them and read them. <clears throat> so, okay, gotcha. Here's one from, uh, I don't know who. Did Jebbia get injured or just leapfrogged by Gulbranson? Gulbranson uh, noted Jebbia was skipped over versus Montana State. I think, I think you have, you've answered your own question in the sense that I think Ben, <clears throat> ben is, prob- is number two on the depth chart. That would be my answer to that at this point. I might even poke around on that with Jonathan later, but... Uh, I think I think that's accurate. Yeah. Some of these, by the way, you'll note that I'm reading your, your deal today. Didn't get to them okay. yesterday. And they have multiple ones. So okay. sometimes we just have to get, get to the most latest. Here's one from yesterday. It says, that's craziness, Dave. I think as long as we're, uh, we're making uh, fall games and improving oh. 
Yeah. We're not on the we're on the right track bowl game. But that was Dave saying, well, we should be. You know, we don't want to go back to being, being you know kind of the mediocre eight, eight three, nine. nine and four or whatever. And you know my my <laughs> wait, wait, was, we we'll get there first, and then let's see yeah. if you get tired. But of the it. latest is we need to get the run game going and run, yeah. run, 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 run the ball. I could not agree more. Jim Wilson will talk about with <clears> in just a moment. Any other quick hits? Early '80s budget cuts eliminated most middle school sports. Okay, I helped coach some kids through boys and girls club football. Uh, that uh, would later win CHS football title, okay. Mike Zandowski era. So it's been 40-plus years. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I know that things have changed dramatically. I, when I was harkening back to the mid-'70s, yeah. talk about feeling old, yeah. I was remembering all the levels that were available <clears throat> to us coming up through the high school, junior high and high school system. I yeah. realize things have changed. I just wanted to know how dramatically and what levels. Did Monica say at her school they had one level? They tried to have yeah. two and they yeah. only had one? 2,500, which is about like a Portland school. Pretty amazing. Let's break and come back with a Hall of Famer, Big Jim Wilson, on the Beavs and Utes. That's next, 1240 Joe Radio. Have you seen Highland Bulls expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You knock them down. Bob Simons Insurance, a key sponsor of the 16th Annual Salem Roadster Show, would like to thank all those who participated in this year's show. This year's Salem Roadster Show raised money for law enforcement and firefighters' families in need and was able to make a considerable donation. Once again, Bob Simons Insurance, a key sponsor of the 16th Annual Salem Roadster Show, would like to say thank you to all those who participated and those who attended. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off. That's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. Lean back and save at Inkwell Home Store. Right now, buy stressless recliners, sofas, or office chairs and get up to $1,500 credit towards the purchase of more. Or save $400 on stressless signature-based recliners and ottomans and motorized classic power recliners. Don't wait. Take the opportunity to fill your home with stressless comfort for less. Shop Inkwell Home Store, 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. The fall means it's time for Oregon State football, a new season and hopefully a bowl game at the end of the year. It's also a good time to look at that home remodeling project. If you need new carpet, countertops, luxury vinyl, or window coverings, see the staff at Corvallis Floor Covering. They've been coaching Beaver fans and helping you get it done for over 30 years. Stop by and see their showroom full of all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. 
If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. All right, we are back. Here we go. Continuing on the Joe Beaver Show, OSU Hall of Famer Big Jim Wilson joining us. And since his time is short, educating the young people in Vancouver, USA, we want to jump right into it as he has a brief break. Jim, thanks for your time. The Beavers coming off the, the painful loss. I don't know how you've been feeling about it the last few days. It's lingered. It's lingered. But I also, and we saw a team really play great defense now they go to Utah. What's your sense of how the Beavs will react to that game, how you're reacting to it, and the Beavers' shot to maybe take a big step with a huge road win in a tough play Saturday afternoon? Yeah, Mike, it was a tough loss uh, Saturday to USC uh, because the Beavers did leave a lot out there, but their defense played so well, well enough to win for sure. And so uh, that's that's the hard part. But that's all, also the part where you you come away with some optimism. You feel like, you know, every game you don't need to score 35 or 42 points to win a game. You you might you might win a game 17-14 or 21-17 or 17-10 and it can happen. I mean, if you can hold USC to to 17 points and I think everybody on your schedule you got a shot at keeping down. So, that's the encouraging part and that that's moving forward, I think. Uh, everybody has to understand the defense is, is a much improved unit. And then offensively, it's been inconsistent. And, and it's there, there's plays, but it's not been consistent. And that, that's, the big, that's the big leap Oregon State needs to make. Yesterday, Jim, we had Scott Mitchell, former NFL quarterback and Utah Ute quarterback on the show, and I asked him, well, what do the Beavers have to do? Or no, what worked for the Beavers last year to be the only Pac-12 team to beat him? And he broke it down. Very simply, he said, we have certain size, very large defensive linemen who were supposed to do certain one certain thing, and they couldn't, and they didn't. That'll change. And then defensively, we didn't, uh, or Utah didn't match up well with and cover the, the guy in motion good enough. And you know that will change this year. So Oregon State, I don't know, can go back to the same well. Maybe they can uh, sometimes, but can you see if anything else that the Beavers can do maybe this year that they didn't do last year or did do, but I don't know that you get 260 rushing yards against Utah like last year. Well, I don't know how they go about it, but there's the key. They, they rush for 260 yards, and then with that, then you can do pretty much whatever you want in the passing game because the, the other team has got to worry about stopping the run and now when you play action, things are going to be open, and, and those guys can't just pin their ears back and rush the passer because they they need to stop the run. So that's the, the formula. Now, the Beavers do get, I hope, Marco Brewer back, and if they do, that'll make a difference. He's, he's clearly a step better than the guy that's filling in for him, and especially in the run game. That would be step number one. And step number two is, I think, get Jan Griffin into the game more as, as a full-service back because he really offered, I thought, a lot of things. The first speed, he finished runs. And so uh, I think he had the element that Oregon State didn't really have in the first three games or the or parts of, you know, the first, say, three and a half games. So those are the big things offensively. And, and then just obviously the consistency in, in, in the passing game. Look, if the run game's there, everything will be easy for chance, but he still has to hit his throws. But if it's not, he has to be consistent, and he can't. He has to take care of the ball. Yes, it'll be harder, 
and the, the windows will be tighter. The protection won't be as good. But he still has to be sharp with the ball and protect the football. Jim Wilson joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Jim, how good is Utah this year? What what do you see in them so far? For Utah, it, it was kind of a reload in a lot of spots, mm-hmm. but not a quarterback. And when Utah reloads at the line of scrimmage, they usually do it pretty pretty well. They have guys waiting in the wings that are big, strong, physical football players. Uh, but it's the quarterback play. And so because the quarterback was the first-team all-conference back 12 quarterback last year, he's returning. I think Utah is the best team in the conference. Okay. He rushed for 73, had four rushes last year of 10 or more yards against the Beavers. Does it help at all, Jim, that the Beavers just played Caleb Williams with respect to trying to deal with rising? You know, they're, they're different guys. Uh um, rising is not as elusive. I mean, Caleb Williams was almost Houdini back mm-hmm. there in his ability to, to make people miss, to avoid sacks, and almost felt like he could do whatever he wanted in the pocket. And that's not Cameron Rising. He's more of a, a scheduled third and four uh, zone keep running downhill, but running fast. Mm-hmm. If he turns the corner, he does run fast. But he's not the elusive guy. He's not the hard-to-get-down type. He's just got good speed when he, when he's running. He's more of a forward runner. So I think it's a different animal that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, rising is what he can do with his legs is an important part of what makes him a really good quarterback. But it's different. He's he's not the, the Houdini that uh, Caleb Williams is. Tavion Thomas, an excellent running back, but do you, do you like the way the Beavers are playing the run this year? Can they keep Thomas and the other stable of backs in your view from having a huge game based on what you've seen so far? Well, they have to. And, you know, I, I think, I don't think it's a question of stopping them. It's just reducing. I mean, in the beginning of the USC game in the first play of the game, Travis Dye ran for 36 yards yeah. and he, he gashed the Beavers several times, but mostly in the first half mm-hmm. and in the second half, not so much. And I think, that Oregon State will limit what Utah does on the ground. I mean, Utah just, they're, they're, they average over 200 yards rushing, and they held Arizona State last week to six yards rushing. So it's the same old Utah. They're going to stop the run, and they're going to run it themselves. And so it's the same game for Oregon State. they got to be able to run it and also stop the run. Yeah, and Scott Mitchell essentially said the same thing because he said that's all Kyle Whittingham ever says in the locker room before the game and at halftime. We got to stop the run and we got to run the ball. So you, the game can at times get re- reduced to those kind of eternal verities, simplicities. I close with the famous question of our our good friend, your former manager Charlie Manuel, who once asked of me of a certain player, "What's his plus, Mike? What's his plus?" What is the Beavers' plus, Jim, in your view, their their shot to go in there, come back from the gut-wrenching loss, and beat Utah in Salt Lake City? A tall order, but what's their plus, I guess, in this matchup in your view? Well, I think the Beavers' plus is their upside. Uh, if, you, if, if the defense is a given, which I think it's early to say that, but based on what they did, if you're going to get the kind of defense where they fly the football, and uh, just uh, covering the secondary like they did last week, then uh, then it boils down to offense. But we've seen good offense, and Brian Lindgren and mm-hmm. Jonathan Smith have a history of good offense. 
It's just that they made too many turnovers last week. So the upside for the plus for the Beavers is they do have an upside. I mean, some people, they just, they don't, their upside really isn't so far from their floor. And that's not the case with this team. The upside is high. They can, they can hit big plays. They can hit big running plays. They can grind you down uh, physically at the line of scrimmage, uh, but they've got to be consistent with it. And so they, they, they definitely have a shot because they've, the floor has risen so much so that they, they can play. They can play with everybody on, on their schedule, and uh, they can beat everybody on their schedule, but they have to play a good, clean football game to do it. Yeah, and that's Yogi Roth, what he reduced it to. He said the Beavers to beat USC told us they don't have to be superhuman. They just need to play their game. And mm-hmm. in a sense, the, they did save the turnovers, which were hard to overcome. Jimmy, I look forward to an early game and an early return back uh, this Saturday. It won't be the same quite the following week. But uh, thank you for making a little time for us in your busyness and your workday up at uh, Fort Vancouver. Thanks, Thanks for Jim. joining us, Jim, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Mike. Okay, talk to you soon. Big Jim Wilson, 10 minutes. He said, I got 10 minutes, and we, we 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We could talk to him forever. Yeah. About so many things. About returning Willie Mays' jacket to him in Cincinnati in 1970, which we have talked about, but not today. But we didn't know he that was a new information thing. When he returned Willie Mays' yeah, jacket? Yeah, when he told that story. I had kind of heard it from Bobby and Yako over the years. But he gave us the detail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you've been a part of their family for years. For, yeah. Just three of my great friends and souls in yeah. life. Robert, John. How and fun is that Jimmy. to oh, it's be great, able to yeah. call games with one of the yeah. three? Now, it's interesting even, too, how that sort of came about in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll go to break here in a moment. Want to get to texts and calls. But I had no idea Jim was even interested in, in the job when it came open. Yeah. When... Bob Grimm uh, hung the microphone up after so many years of doing such great work with mm-hmm. Daryl and and after the th- 2003 season. Yeah, and I had I had five five wonderful years with Bob. It was so great to work with him. But then the the job came open, and those days were interesting in terms of open auditions and different people, really talented, good mm-hmm. quality. Any anybody we would have chosen to audition for would have been great. Yeah. But in the end, it's one of the only times in life that I feel as though there was a degree of hand. I was told by the powers that be then, Mike, they're all pretty good. Who do you want to work with? That's the question. You're going to work with a person. You make the call. So, you know, Evanson Bernard, I called the play. Said Evanson in 2006. <laughs> Jack Coletto, I called the play and we beat Fresno State. But, you know, some of you might as well. You should have chosen that guy. Should have chosen whatever. They I don't mean, know if who you don't that, like Jim, the other guys you, were. They don't if, know who the other no, guys were. No, if you don't care for Jimmy or whatever else, I mean, you blame me because when I was given that, I remember contemplating that. You and I talked about it. And one, Yeah, we did. I remember and we had great conversations it was, uh, about it. It may have been one of the last conversations before you pulled the trigger. You know, like, yeah, it's like, okay, (laughs) they're all, they were all good. And anybody we would have chosen would have been great. And I would have loved working with those people, with those, with that individual, whatever the case may be, if DeCarolis or somebody else would have chosen somebody else, Mm -hmm. but they said, nope, you make the call. It's your decision. You're going to be working with the person. So 
We're just leaving it to you. Yeah, and we'll which, back you in it. Is it's what fine they said. because the, of the group that they gave you. Yeah, they were all competent. No, very good. Very good. And so, so I, I remember, you know, sleeping on it, contemplating it, and the only—I think it's about the only time in life I've had any had any quote power. I mean, mm-hmm. this is my decision. You're giving it to me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And it better be a good one. Yeah, no. So <laughs> when after all of that and thought about the friendship that I'd had for years with a little less close with Jim, but very mm-hmm. close to Bobby and to Yako, to yeah. John, and knew Jim pretty well through them over the years, I, I just thought, well, if all things being equal, and in this area it's not, yeah. he's a friend already, and he's st- I know he's intelligent and good and will do a good job. So it became, at that point, when I just quit overthinking it and was given the choice, who do you want to work with? Well, I want to work with Jim Wilson. How, how much, about that? How much did you did the friend-family card come into play when it, he was a Portland Beaver and you were the voice uh, of the Beavers? A little bit. Like, hey, bit. hey, g- g- let me give you, yeah. let me have an interview. Or... No, I, I mean, I could have had Jim on the pregame show every day. I, yeah. I didn't want to. Right. Well, the Jim Wilson lever too often, and things weren't, he will tell you, by his own, it, that was sort of the, he was reinventing himself as a hitter, and he'd been hurt, things yeah. weren't going real well, that was a tough year with the Portland Beavers in 1987, but anyhow, all of that to say, when I, I, I remember talking to Bob and, you know, and, and others, and I'd like to, I'd like to work with Jim Wilson and Bob DeCarlos goes, well, you know who I would have picked? And I thought, oh, here we go. Like I, yeah. I would have picked him. Uh, <laughs> he goes, I would have picked Jim Wilson, says Bob DeCarroll. <laughs> so I felt better walking away Very nice. from listening to the audition tapes. And here we are from the 2004 season now, a true friend and a tremendous analyst. How was Pat in 87? Pat Casey? I had him on a few times, too. Was Casey's he surly? Corner. Was he surly? <laughs> no, he was, he was never surly. He's too nice of a guy. He's like, ah, general. Ah, no, ah, he was great. I don't we took do trips this. to Abby's Pizza in Newburgh <laughs> for him. I remember he was in full beaver uniform. I'm driving him to Newburgh. <laughs> So he could pose uh, to for the ad that that we had sold to Abby's Pizza and Newberg supporting <laughs> now, their own. That Pat seems Casey. to me like he would be going. Oh, do I really have to do well, this? Well, I, I would say he wasn't overly thrilled, <laughs> but he, he loved the guy and loved Abby's and wanted to yeah. support yeah. the proprietor, who I know and whose name now slips my mind in this context. But uh, Pat was great. He was great to me, and it was it was wonderful to connect with him in those days. And had no idea with either Pat yeah. or Jim, teammates on the 1987 Portland Beavers, that our lives would connect in a yeah. far more profound way in the decades story. to come. Great story. We break and come back. If you have any thoughts about any of this, open phones the rest of the way. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. With you until 1 o'clock, 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. See, it all starts with over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, multiple dough options, multiple crust options, and multiple cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free choices. See, we make all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people every day. Woodstock's Pizza, all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Are you expecting out-of-town guests this fall? Not sure where they're going to sleep? You could add on an extra bedroom. Or an easier and less expensive solution would be to buy a futon from Futon Man. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes. And their alley resilient mattresses have a long-lasting foam core. And there's lots of cover choices too. 
Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99, or online at futon-man.com. The fall means it's time for Oregon State football, a new season and hopefully a bowl game at the end of the year. It's also a good time to look at that home remodeling project. If you need new carpet, countertops, luxury vinyl, or window coverings, see the staff at Corvallis Floor Covering. They've been coaching Beaver fans and helping you get it done for over 30 years. Stop by and see their showroom full of all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! A lot of land comes with a lot of work, and the new Kubota MX Series has a lot to offer, including the versatility to mow, move bales of hay, grade roads, and clear brush and snow. The new Kubota MX Series is rated number one in durability and owner experience. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to lynnbentontractor.com. Lynn Benton Tractor, we're still doing business the American way. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany, where quality, service, and peace of mind meet you as you walk through the door at 4120 Sandham Highway in Albany. Power Honda is family-owned and offers new vehicles and over a 1,000 used vehicles to choose from. Power Honda has a Google review of 4.9 stars, offers financing for everyone, and knows how to treat their customers' needs. Honda. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany. It's Medicare open enrollment time. See the Medicare specialists at Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency. Look at all the 2022 plan choices, including prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage. This is your time to see if you can find a lower premium and extra benefits. Open enrollment starts October 15th and ends December 7th. Call now to make an appointment. Since 1961, Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, Lebanon, Albany, and Staten, or RhodesWardenINS.com. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Great text from Buck in Albany with respect to the Bacher. Who are you? I'm the Bacher. <laughs> uh, Jim, Jim Wilson played. He played in Mexico for Tim Johnson. If you want to entertain yourself, Tim Johnson, who ended up managing in the big leagues but lied about his military record and all that, that came about years later. Mm. And somebody pressed him, now, what, where did you serve and with who and where? And finally, as he tried to give details, they weren't adding up. And Tim Johnson essentially got fired. He had been lying about his military service. And just Yeah, it wasn't good. But Jim had played for him in Mexico prior to Tim rising to the major leagues in a winter league in Mexico. And he said he and the other guy had an act where they'd be out having a few belts in the bar after the game. And Jim would be sitting there. And the other guy, I can't remember the other guy, would say, Tim Johnson would say, hey, what am I? And the friend would say, you're a liar. And Tim Johnson would say, yeah, that's right. I'm Tim Johnson. I'm a liar. And they would just go back and forth. And that, and he, he was. He was. Wow. It wasn't just a joke or a gag drinking in the bar. Wow. He was just, well, who are you? I'm a liar. Well, the new pit, the pitcher, 300 innings into his career, he's the balker. Who are you? I'm the balker. <laughs> Three balls. he's not. Buck in Albany writes, before we get to Dave, I played center in high school and I'd never been called for a snap infraction in my entire playing career. Five years, one game, I got an extremely picky official who decided he would call it. He warned me twice before, but like the Marlins pitcher, I'm still trying to figure out what did I do? I had done it this way for years. Nobody had ever said a word, not even a coach. Sometimes you just get an official who has a point to prove. Thank you, Buck in Albany. 
Bob Weaver on my curveball. Change the direction of my life. Well, anyway, the balker. Has anybody seen the video? I haven't. It, what were, and maybe Dave did. He's, he's a huge baseball fan and yeah. maybe knows a little bit about what constituted three balks in one sequence on the Marlins pitcher. I don't know. If, I know you didn't call about that, Dave, but Dave, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, thanks, Mike, and hello, John. No, I'm not. I uh, didn't see any uh, video of that, so I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't comment on it. But uh, baseball is endless, endlessly fascinating. Yep. Permutations really do reach to infinity. Uh, so uh, you, can, you can never be surprised by what you see at a baseball game. No, you can't. And like somebody, Mattingly, whoever, you, you stay around long enough, you see something new, and here's a guy pitching in the major leagues for years, three, 300 appearances, never called for a balk in his previous 300 and three in one sequence. That had to be, right, David? It just argues to me that an umpire was saying, I've been watching that guy in his previous 299 appearances. If I get a chance, I'm going to call him. <laughs> well, I've I've had my share of criticisms of umpires and officials. I, I'm not sure I, I, I would go that far. But even even in last night's game, and this I just I had two points I wanted to make. One about baseball. I hope TJ's down the hall and he's listening. Um, if the Orioles, Mike and John, were merely playing 500 ball as they close out the last three weeks, it now seems apparent they would have caught the Mariners. Mm-hmm. I don't think they can. Because they're 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 just a game or two. Um, Mariners are winning three out of ten. The Orioles are four out of ten. So they, they uh, the, the Mariners are extremely lucky. If the Orioles were playing uh, like the, now, like they were in late July or August, the Mariners would already be looking up at them. And just last night's game, the Baltimore deep uh, bullpen really that the speaking of pitchers, they hit they hit they won. Forced in two runs with hit batters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they walked in two runs with passes on balls. And, uh, uh, Wolf Meadow Odor had a terrible game in the field. They, they scored 11, nine or 10 runs and didn't reverse. That could happen in Boston. High yeah. scoring games, yeah. high scoring games there are just simply endemic to the field. But uh, now, if Baltimore had won last night, it would be getting really right. interesting now, right. and the collar would be really tight. But TJ made a great point. Uh, Last week, the Mariners hold the season series edge on Baltimore, right. so uh, uh, that that could still matter before this all plays out in the end. Yeah, great, great point, Dave. TJ is in the room, so we'll get his response in a moment to just not just that, but just his general feeling in life, walking the halls, and I see him, and I say, <laughs> TJ. Anyway, what else you got, Dave? You said two points. Well, I, well yeah, just like like you. Uh, uh, in fact, I, I have shushed people in the drive home after a game when Jim Wilson is talking to you or Ron, uh, because I just want to hear what he has to say about mm-hmm. things. And yeah, you could do two hours of yeah. you make it the Jim Wilson show, sure. and it would be fascinating. And he said one thing today that uh, uh, that, that strikes it resonated with me because it's a pattern, and I'm referring to his comment about getting jam into the. Uh, uh, into the uh, sequence uh, earlier and more often. And, you know, Mike, when you follow something long enough, you recognize the patterns. If I dare so, it's kind of what I've been trained to do as a historian. But I find it remarkable uh, that um, Oregon State 
I don't. I mean, the, the coaching job that Jonathan Smith has done is, has been tremendous. And you said something earlier this week. It's a or maybe it was John. Jonathan's is a sustainable build. I'm not. You know, as much as I've said, it would have been great to have Dennis stay longer, maybe one mm-hmm. or two years longer. Could have mm-hmm. really turned the corner with the program. I like what Coach Smith has done, but he, like his immediate three predecessors, the long-term trend is we never discover who the best running back is until two, three, or four games into the season. And, I mean, are the worst things that can go wrong with a program? Yes, because he's been playing. But I just wanted to make that observation that it was clear that the jam deserves more touches. There's a rumor out there, I don't know if you guys touched on it, that maybe Musgrave is out for the season. That would be a loss. I know people don't like commenting about that, but it's out there. So anyway, that was my main football comment. I just wanted to second Jim's notion about jam, which is a great nickname, by the way. Almost maybe as good as quiz. Yeah. But uh, it would be good to see him get more touches. I agree. Great to hear from you, Dave. Thanks for the call. Uh, before, And we're going to hear from Jim. I've never heard his voice before, really. So we'll hear from Jamias Griffin here shortly. Now, I know he likes to go by Jam. That's his choice. Yeah. But Jamias, what a I sweet know. name that is. I know. Back in August, I thought, yeah. oh, go That's with the great full name. name. We're going to get to Jam's audio after our final break here in a moment. Who do we got up here on the downward Paul. dog? Hey, we'll get Paul in. Then I want to hear from TJ. Then we'll break, and then we'll hear Jam on the other side of the break. And then we hope to roll through some texts at the end of the show today. Paul, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, Mike. Hey, you know, we've been talking about umpires all year, how bad they are. Well, and. These these little videos posted on on Facebook and stuff, right? Well, there was a sequence when uh, what's the pitcher for San Diego who pitched so good against us? The big Japanese fellow. Yeah, we pitch uh, us uh, the Mariners. The, are you talking about us, meaning the Mariners? Yes. Okay, Mariners, I, I don't. I I can't answer that off the top of my head. I don't he, know. He was a, he was a Texas Ranger for a long time. Okay, big, tall Japanese fellow. Okay, what about anyway, it? He was pitching, and he had a perfect game going. And they showed a sequence of three pitches. One was right at the top of the strike zone. The whole ball was in the square. Another one was down at the, the bottom. There's a left-handed batter. The bottom outside corner, the ball was all the way in the corner. And the third one was on the inside corner. The ball right square in the middle of the plate, but just inside the, the, the line. And the umpire called all three of them balls, and the batter walked on a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just—it's amazing how how bad some of these umpires are. Well, Paul, on the other hand, just as a rejoinder before we break, and we do want to get TJ in and take a break. That is—you you may beg the question in that sense because that's assuming that that square shown by the television set is absolutely. Uh, immaculate in its own right. That, that may not be exactly right in terms of depicting the strike zone. Okay, but when the ball is all the way inside the square, yeah, yeah, you have to know that ball is over. I, I, I don't agree with you. You know, if the ball is just touching the outside of the square, that, right. that's iffy. I mean, that's a give or take. Right. That's an either or. Right. But if it's inside the square, that's a strike. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says because that square is pretty okay. close. Paul, thanks for the call, sir. Good to hear from you. TJ, before we uh, 
break and come back, and you gathered audio from Jam Griffin yesterday. By the way, before I get your thoughts about your general state of mind and demeanor in life these days. Gorgeous, yes. It's a beautiful day. It rained this morning, but now the sun's out again and life goes on. It's all good. It's good. It's good. What did you make of Jam? How did he? That was his first sort of Jam session it's with the good. media. How did it go? He, he, he was a little short at first, opened up a little bit at the end, though. It was, okay. It was nice. Got to see a little bit of his personality uh, come okay. out there at the end. Uh, but, he, yeah, it was good. He was upbeat. It, I'd say the general vibe from the team this week is not really that down. Okay, and yeah. Everyone's in a They're fired up. positive manner. That's and, good to hear. Yeah. And yeah, nothing noticeable, like, oh, this loss pisses off more mm-hmm. than anything else. No. Yeah, there's still a big belief in who they are, what yeah. they can be. And Except for Trent Bray, he looked a little cold today because he got a water dumped on him at the end of practice in his birthday. Oh, so, happy okay. Happy birthday, big uh, 4-0. For Boy, Trent. what a job he's doing, by the yeah. way. That defense has come so far. Before we turn you loose, and thank you for that, we'll play your gathering of TJ and maybe uh, of uh, Jam. Thank you, TJ, for it. How are you doing? Do you just feel like, hey, we're good? The most positive, <laughs> optimistic person in the world. Okay. You know me. I Whenever know. Never a negative word comes out of my mouth. Never. Although you walked, yeah, that's not quite true. You walked by the our setup in the Beaver Block Party Saturday when the Mariners were trailing. Now they rallied they to win that game. But you okay. looked at me. I said, "TJ, how you doing? I'm mad. I'm getting mad." They came back and won that for you. Then they, blew the big lead. I don't know what's more frustrating now: is being an Orioles fan or a Mariners fan <laughs> down the stretch. I honestly don't know because both the teams, like Dave said, if the Orioles just went. I don't know if it's 500 because I think both teams are 500 this month. I think there's maybe like a slight percentage point of winning percentage difference between the two teams this month. But like the Orioles just went 14 and 10, it'd be tied. Yeah. And that's not too much to ask no, for having a good month. No, and that's why I'm not worried because they keep losing. It's like the two teams, have you guys heard the term like mid? Like this thing is just like average, right? They're just not playing well. So the two teams are like both like just not doing they're both trying to compete for who's trying to like to to make this worse on their fan base. Oh, we could have had it, or oh, we're we're just dragging out our twenty-one year playoff drought out as long as possible. <laughs> so maybe by the time uh, it seems like I'm going on Sunday, just got some uh, some tickets from oh, our station. So you heading up? Be good. It's the timing works out pretty good too because the eleven a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Is that Oakland Sunday? Okay, who do you? What's happening tonight? Who's pitching? Uh, what's going on? Kirby's pitching tonight, but as my dad keeps referencing, it's like after they lose a bad game, it's like, oh, we got X, you know, A starters starting tomorrow. Which well, I looked at, I'm like, well, it's been that case for the last 11, 11 games, and they're three and eight. Will your dad be there tonight? Uh, no, I think they're about to go to New York. Oh, Yankees. Could maybe, be maybe, maybe they'll see Judge's sixty first if they keep walking him. Uh, <laughs> there on Sunday so that might be nice. Time it up well. Good for you, TJ. Have fun up there Sunday. And uh, thanks for everything. We're going to take a final break on the show today and come back with Jemias Jam Griffin next on 1240 Joe Radio. The outside to the left and Johnson. Touchdown, Beavers. It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. Touchdown, Beavers! 
Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. The best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Hey, Beaver Nation. This is Jake with Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai. Our diverse sales staff is here to provide the very best customer service and great savings. You don't have to buy a car from us. We just want the opportunity. We're confident that you give us one, you'll want to do business with us. We also have multiple master technicians for all of our brands with the expertise to tackle any issue your vehicle may have, from huge diesel trucks to all electric vehicles. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for free gas Fridays and to win Beavers tickets. We're Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai on San Am Highway across the street from the Fred Meyer. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with... Let's continue on here. And we have Jemias ready to roll yeah. pretty much, Doc. I'd like to hear him. I have not had a chance to meet this young man. And uh, the, This is the pool. Life is, I know it is, and life is different. You know, we used to, you know, back before shows or when show and practice was in different times and back when we had more access, we would just go freely, remember those days freely, and say, oh, hey, I'm going to go introduce myself. Now it's it's all pretty well Everything is controlled scripted. and handled, and I get it. I get it. There's so many demands, and and I get it. So we just work with, with the access and so on that we have now, but I feel less close, generally speaking, to the players than in the days. What about when you're on the road? could seek people out. Well, even then, it's there are times I have conversations with people in the lobby if I run into mm-hmm. them, but there's a lot of meetings and a lot of pretty well – Monitored, controlled behavior. So you get there, you get on a bus, you get to the hotel. They all scatter for meetings of their rooms, and you don't see them. No, not much. Unless it's it's a a little bit. So let's hear for the first time uh, the voice of Jemias Jam Griffin, and and we'll see him with TJ. You said he was a little uh, short at first, but then kind of loosened up. So here goes a guy that Jim Wilson and many of us, I think, want to see a little bit more of Saturday at Rice Eccles Stadium. Is ready. so we saw some of you in camp, um, kind of slow to get going. I know you had an injury. What what kind of got you going this season and where you're at? Uh, preparation. The trainers getting me back healthy. I hurt my, my hip flexed a little bit, but uh, they got me right back to where I need to be to perform. When you're, when you're in a competition like that and you, and you got a setback like that, how, how tough is that to, you know, because you want to get in there and show you can do, but mm-hmm. you weren't able to do it. I mean, it's a part of the game. It comes with it. I mean, it just got to, like, when stuff like that happens, you just got to, you know what I'm saying, think about the positive that can come out of it and just get better each day to get back where you need to be. Yeah. The, you, you've played four years in college. Was Saturday night probably the best game you've had? Yeah, yeah, I can say that. That's probably my best game on film. Yeah, yeah, sure. What, what seemed to work for you? What, what Were the holes there? I mean, what, what, were you just seeing things? What, what? I mean, our, our offensive line did a great job Saturday, but uh, I, just, I just had a little more edge to me. I think my parents was there. It's the first game they came, and I ain't okay. seen them. I ain't seen my parents in, like, two months. And that's, that's, hard. that's, that's different because I was at Tech, and I, that's, like, an hour away from where I'm from, so I can just see them every day if I wanted to, but I ain't seen them in a minute, so, I mean, I had to do it. You know what I'm saying? Generally speaking, where does that edge come from? You like to bring that edge. I just, I just like to run with a purpose. You know what I'm saying? I don't like to die easy, go down easy. So, if, if I feel like if a defender want to tackle me, they gonna have to feel all of me. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you kind of looking for contact then? It's uh, sometimes. Yeah. It's to set the tone, get get the guys in the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Score, go ahead. 
touchdown against the number seven team in the nation there in front of a packed house, uh, rowdy crowd. Is that the type of moment that you've dreamed about for a while? I dream, I dream of stuff like that as a kid, but like I said, the preparation that we had during the week, it led, it led up to moments like that in the offensive line. <laughs> offensive line uh, blocked pretty good on that play, for sure. Weird seeing what's going on at your old school last week? Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing it, but I've been, I, I didn't, you know, so I'm focused on you know, over here, you know, so I'm over here. Now that you're healthy and, and the fact that there are so many guys on, on your team that can run the ball, how how hard is it to kind of wait your turn, wait for your opportunity? Uh, Coach, Coach Stu does a great job rotating us and getting getting us opportunities. So, I mean, once I get in, I just do do my best for the team and do, do what I can do. And then everything else just comes. You feel like you're back to 100%? Now you guys haven't seen a hundred percent yet, but it's almost there. Yeah, yeah, almost. Is it kind of a fine line as a back? Like, you probably want to get the ball every time, but you know it's going to crush it. You know, even in the NFL, there's so much rotation. At, at yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like kind of a balancing act of what you want, and what you get, sort of a thing? I like, I like the rotation. I'm not a guy that wants 20 carries a game. I'm good with the 12, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do the most with them. You know, but yeah, so I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep us, keep us fresh. And Coach Stu does a good job with that. I mean, after you, you had a couple of situations Saturday where I think you ran for like 10 and then 12 yards back-to-back runs. Don't you want to stand there and see if you can see if you got a heat check maybe and, and, and go for something even more on the next carry? Or? Uh, no, I, I mean, I like the rotation. I mean, if I'm tired, I mean, the next person up is probably better than me while I'm tired. So, I mean, I understand why, why I'm coming out. So, yeah. You guys got to kind of be tight for that to work, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we all close. We got a good relationship with everybody. We, we help each other get better. What have you seen out of Chance the last couple of days? Obviously a tough tough day for him the other day. Have, how have you seen his demeanor change or has it? Or what, what have you seen out of him? Chance is a guy, man. He going to come and compete every day. And I got I got faith in my guy. And a lot of people don't see. I mean, obviously, we talking about the interceptions, but a lot of people don't see behind like what happened leading up to the interceptions. And uh, yeah, Chance is going to be good. He's going to be good for us, for sure. I think that's it. I, I do like the personality, and I like you know, a couple of texts who followed up. And in terms of Jemias with the hip flexor injury, yes. And because of that, in some limited time, we have a text to this effect. As we look at the University Honda text line, Dave wrote in, Jam took some time adjusting and learning the offense, possibly the injury. Uh, and all of that's accurate, yes. I mean, it, it has taken him a little while, but I think as he assimilates the complete playbook and responsibilities, it's not just running the football within the offense. If he's going to be more of an every down back, if he's not getting the ball, he's got to be able to, to handle blocking assignments and route assignments and all those other things that come with the offense. Blame Jerry DePoto, says a texter, for the Seattle swoon. At trade deadline, he moved to improve the team's Strength pitching did nothing about the reason that it's usually behind Mariners' losses, the lack of offensive yeah. production, and that certainly has been the case. Listening now, I didn't understand this. Did I hear? And maybe TJ can come running down the hall with an answer. I have my answer, Michael Kane, Hannah and her sisters. I have my answer. I'm looking for an answer. Did Mike Blowers, did Blowers work radio yesterday in the interest of trying to change things up that we got to, we got to do our part up here in the whatever bank booth they're in, the first whatever booth. TJ, did Blowers do some radio yesterday? Uh, he was on radio. I don't think it's to try and jinx. I think it's just moving around. 
I think Dan, what, what yesterday was Tuesday, right? Yeah. Days of the week, right? Dan Wilson does uh, comes in and does work on Tuesdays, but Flowers kind of just pushed aside for that day. So that, oh. that's all it was. I don't think it's changing the jinx. And I guess to, to photo, I mean, I just don't know how you look at. You can look at his roster construction and blame him, but maybe not for the trade deadline. Judging that you made the second biggest acquisition of the deadline, unless you were going to you know shell out for Juan Soto. Okay. No, I got you. That no. wasn't going to happen. Right. So I don't, I, I'm not sure what that was. And the offense hasn't been the problem, though, the whole scale. True. They just, when you have a nine-run lead on Sunday. No, uh, that's a big lead. You score 12 offense. runs, it should be enough to nine, win. Yeah. Nine-run lead with your ace on the mound. Right. No, that, that's a, it's a bad loss. Now, Michael, your brother in Lebanon, uh, your spiritual brother, of course, I refer to. I tuned in late, says Michael, so I'm not sure of the relevancy. But coach a flag football team and my kids run plenty of lines also proud to say that my two daughters are two of only a few girls participating amongst all the boys good for you michael if any team would be the one to blow a lead and not make the playoffs with the situation they're in it would be the mariners <laughs> and michael writes but that's one text in itself just but right there but they won't they're going to slip in and we play good games against the Guardians in the regular season, so I think we would have a good chance in the series. Do you concur? It's just crazy how opposite the two teams went after the Mariners went. And over the course of a week and a half, beat the Guardians six out of seven times, and the only time they lost to the Guardians, they blew a two-run lead in the eighth inning. I mean, So it's like, he's right. They, they did play really well. But how the two teams have gone since they stopped playing has just been really weird. I think they lost for only the fourth time in their last... 22 games last night when they lost to the Rays in extra innings. So yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy, but just shows you that, you know, the, 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 <clears throat> such, such a streaky game. And it's really, God, it's annoying. But <laughs> CVB. But here we are. Yeah, here we are, indeed. CVB tax was DePoto causing the rash of injuries. So. <laughs> yeah, Jerry was going down there. He, he broke Eugenio Suarez's index finger. He, go, he put him on the eye. He, he went down and he, he caused he said, yeah, Julio's right. back to season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Now, somebody writes in, any comments, and I didn't, John, until this moment, did yeah. you see that text? Uh uh-uh. Which one? Any comments, the texter writes on the University Honda text line, and the answer is no, because I'm, I wasn't aware, and were you, and that's where Dave says, you guys are in the meeting, and you don't know nothing. Well, that's true, we don't. <laughs> but he says, any comments on the $100 price for standing room only tickets for the USC game? Was that the price? A hundred bucks? First time I'm hearing about it. I mean that was the that was the face value price. My uh, whoever wrote that text, Mike and Corvallis. Any comments on the one hundred dollar price for standing room only? Getting a little steep for me. He writes. Well, yeah. I mean, I, that's very steep. That's uh, yeah. but I is that what it was? The standing room tickets face value were a hundred. This is. Because I didn't look into it, I just said there's standing room only tickets available. Go 1-800-GO-BEAVES, beavertickets.com. I should know that, I guess. Did they no, all sell no, I mean, out? I, don't I mean, know I don't know. But is that the, was that the face value price? I don't know, but if it was, they sold out. So <laughs> Ticket some prices people were are always to related to, the, to what Demand. people are willing to pay. Yeah, to. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's true. So I, I don't, my, that's a, Mike, it's a question that I can't answer. No comments on it, but I, I, I get the nature of the question. And the question from Ask This about Jonathan Smith, it's a good question, but I don't think I that he would answer it 
because he doesn't want to give away what plans he might have for an over-pursuing defense. True. But I hope he does. Thanks for the question. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow. KEJO Corvallis. And translator. K229DI Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.